0: All right, so this evening we're going to continue with our series on spiritual disciplines. And we talked about this last week. We did an introduction. So I'm going to review here in just a minute. But just the word discipline itself is not fun. Uh, and in that word, it implies difficulty, struggle, uh, diligence, pain. It's not, it's not a fun thing. Discipline is not a fun thing. But it's a necessary thing for our growth and for our, uh, as, we, as we grow in our, our faith, as we grow in our relationship with the Lord, it's it's necessary to go through uh, these things. God uses this uh, things in our life uh, to draw us to Himself. And so, this is a battle. And so, the verse you'll see on the handout every week is 1 Corinthians 9, uh, twenty-five through twenty seven. And so, but this battle that uh, the Apostle Paul he knew very well. First Corinthians nine twenty five through twenty seven says, every athlete exercises self control in all things. They do it to receive. A perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air. But I discipline my body and keep it under control. Lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. And so this is kind of the theme of, of what we'll be talking about over the next couple more weeks. And so is this idea of a, what an athlete and the self-control that it takes to train for whatever they're training for. Whether it be uh, the Olympics that are coming up here. You're starting to see commercials for that these guys have been training not only for the last four years they've been training for their whole life uh, to get to this point for a perishable metal and so but they're they're very uh rigid in what they do that i mean everything is very scheduled uh they take very good care of their bodies they have a sleep schedule a eating schedule a number of calories they got to eat i mean it's very very serious thing and so paul kind of says this is kind of he 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 compares an athlete to the way that our lives should be as well that it takes discipline um, in our lives and so um, that's what we were talking about last week we looked at four areas pertaining to spiritual disciplines and the first area we looked at is sin and sin is the biggest barrier to discipline is it not and so because we are sinners because we struggle With sin, it's the biggest problem that mankind has. There's been all kinds of technological advances, um, lots of uh, the technology and and things and knowledge. All these things have grown and they've gotten, people are inventing things all the time. Uh, Just not all that long ago, we didn't even have the internet. And we thought it was great when you got dial-up. Y'all remember that? You got dial-up and you either could be online or you had to be used with the phone, but you couldn't do both at the same time. And so, but we see the advances in all these things. But there are no, there's no fix or no improvement for the problem of sin, and every one of us in here has this problem. Everyone in the world, everybody who's ever lived, has this problem of sin that cannot be fixed. And so Jeremiah 179 says, "The heart is deceitful above all things, and desperately sick, your version may say may say desperately wicked. Who can understand it? it says that is desperately sick." desperately wicked, and our heart is very, very deceitful. And we, get, we deceive ourselves often. And so we have this problem of sin. It says that our hearts are wicked. And so we have this sin problem. The Bible describes sin, we looked at it last week, as a snare, as a slave master. It says that it's deadly. It, des- it describes it as a sickness, as impurity, and as ultimately, it's what keeps us separated from a holy God. We are separated from God uh, from the day that we are born. We are separated from God and we will live our whole lives and die that way separated from him if we don't place our faith in Jesus Christ. He is the only cure to this problem of sin that we have. And so we saw last week, talked a little bit about it, but we need to be not merely conformed to some external code. Like we don't just have to, we, it's not just about cleaning yourself up on the outside where does sin proceed from where does all sin begin in the heart thank you it all begins in the heart and so you could try to clean yourself up a little bit on the outside first of all it will, well let's just say this it won't last if it does last it won't last very long the only way we can see lasting change is to be transformed from the inside out romans 12:2 says do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Our uh, English word, I guess the English word, uh, metamorphosis, y'all familiar with that word? You learned that in science. Maybe it's been a little while since you learned that. But metamorphosis, uh, this word uh, comes from the Greek word, which means transform or transfigure, and it indicates change from the inside out. It's kind of like, think about a caterpillar, goes into a cocoon, and it comes out a butterfly. It says that is what transformation is. It's going from a caterpillar to a butterfly. A butterfly is not a caterpillar. It's something completely different, something completely, that's been completely changed, completely transformed from the inside out. And these spiritual disciplines, they help us, they're a tool to help us in this transformation process. Now, you're transformed the moment you're saved. That there is, a, a, uh, there is a, cha- a kingdom change. You have been changed. Um, however, there's this process of sanctification, meaning that I'm growing, becoming more like Christ. And so we need, we need a transformation because we have a sin problem. And these uh, spiritual disciplines can help us in this process of this transformation. Second thing we looked at was the spiritual disciplines and salvation. Uh, because we have a sin problem... We're in need of a Savior. We're in need of a Savior, and we are saved by and through God's grace alone. So there's no amount of good you can do. There's no amount you could of cleaning up yourself on the outside. You can't do enough to make yourself right with God. We are saved by, by and through God's grace alone. And we are transformed, like I said a second ago, the moment we're saved. In Colossians 1, uh, 13 and 14, it says that we have been delivered From the dominion of darkness, is that you were in the kingdom of darkness and transferred to the kingdom of his beloved son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. You've been transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. From death to life. You have passed from death to life. And so this is a big, this is a major, major thing when you come to know Christ, that you are no longer fundamentally the same. But there's nothing we can do to earn this. Our salvation, spiritual disciplines, are not behaviors or practices that make us right with God in any way. They help us grow to become more like Christ. Say, I want to become more like Christ this year. I need to put some of these disciplines into my life. Does that make sense? So they don't save us, but they help us. They help us in this. Next thing we looked at last week it was spiritual disciplines in the Bible. And we see that all these spiritual disciplines are found in the Bible that we're not to rely on the world's wisdom, but God's wisdom. Where is God's wisdom found? In the Bible. It's found in the scriptures. It's the easy answer, right? It's the, it's the church answer. It's in the Bible. God's word provides us everything we need to live a life that honors and glorifies him. And we see that in Second Peter chapter 1, verse 3 is that we've been given everything we need, not just a little bit, not like, hey, I'll give you a deposit now and I'll give you more later. It says at the moment of your salvation, you get everything you need to live a life that brings honor and glory uh, to Jesus Christ. And finally, we looked at spiritual practice. Is practicing these spiritual disciplines is not easy. And Jesus reminded his disciples often that believers would experience hatred and persecution and, and difficulty and struggle and trials, he said, yeah, as a you're going to go through these things, and they help us in those moments uh, to be able to uh, to be able to handle those properly. Uh, and so we looked at spiritual practice uh, last week. John Ortberg, he said, a disciple, a disciplined person, is someone who can do the right thing at the right time, in the right way, and with the right spirit. And so that's kind of what we ended with last week and the challenge to make it your aim this year to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ and develop spiritual disciplines in your life. And So that's kind of what we looked at introducing this last week. And so today we're going to look at the first, uh, first discipline uh, in the study, and we're going to do uh, Bible reading and Bible study. This is where it starts. And as I start looking at this, I fail often. I had to repent as I'm studying this going, I fail at this often. I'm not very disciplined in this area. And they say, well, you're a pastor. That's what you do. Well, a lot of times when we're reading or we're studying, we're doing this to prepare for what you're teaching on Sunday or whether you're teaching here, those kind of things. And we don't, oftentimes we fail to do it just to grow, just to learn more about God and who he is. And so it's it's, it's a hard thing to do. So we all I would I would venture to say that most of us here we struggle with just being disciplined in this area. And so that is the challenge today is to be disciplined um, in reading God's Word in Bible study. And so biblical basis and examples, we're going to look at several areas. And so I hope you have your Bibles. In all these verses, they're on your handout if you didn't if you don't catch one of them for whatever reason. But the first thing is that we see is that in the in the scriptures that Moses read the word of God uh, to the people publicly you'll see that he he would read he would go up on the mountain God would give him a message for instance the 10 commandments he'd come down from the mountain and he would proclaim it to the people he would read the word of God uh, to the nation and so go to Deuteronomy chapter 5 we see that he would do this publicly and he commanded it to be taught corporately and in the home. So, as parents, that is our job. As grandparents, that is our job. We have a great uh, influence on our kids. Deuteronomy chapter 5. We're not going to read all of chapter 5 because uh, it gets, gets kind of long, but this is when Moses uh, goes up on the mountain and he gets the Ten Commandments. And so it says, And Moses summoned all Israel. chapter 5, verse 1, it said to them, Hear, O Israel, the statutes and the rules that I speak in your hearing today. You shall learn them and be careful to do them. And so he says, I'm about to give you the Ten Commandments. I'm about to give you the law, the rules of how we are to approach God, how we to live a life that honors him. I'm about to give these to you. So he calls them all together, and he reads this publicly to them. Go to Deuteronomy chapter 6. So he read this corporately to the nation of Israel. Again, we're not going to read all that chapter, but chapter 6, excuse me, verse 1. Now this is the commandment, the statutes and the rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you. So this is Moses. Moses is speaking here. He's speaking to to the nation of Israel still. He says that the Lord uh, commanded me to teach you that you may do them in the land which you are going over to possess. That you may fear the Lord your God, uh, you and your son and your son's son. What does it sound like? Generational faith. And so it's important for us to read our scriptures to be disciplined in, in our Bible reading because this is meant to be tra- to be transferred, to be passed on to uh, to our kids and to our grandkids. And so um, he says, "I'm reading these to you today that you may fear the Lord your God." And you you. And uh, your son, and your son's son, by keeping all the statutes and commandments which I command to you, command you all the days of your life, that your days may be long. Hear therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them, that it may not that it may go well with you, and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord your God, your fathers has promised you in the land flowing with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel: the Lord, the Lord is uh, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul, with all your with all your might. In these words I command you today shall be on your heart. And you shall teach them diligently. Again, we talked about discipline. It implies diligence. Says this is how we are to approach teaching our children in the home, teaching our grandchildren is that you shall teach them diligently to our children uh, to your children. You shall talk with them when you sit in your house. When you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise, you shall bind them as a sign in front of your hand. They shall be as frontless between your eyes, and you shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. And when the Lord your God brings you into the land that he swore to our fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, to, and to Jacob, to give you uh, with, great and good, with great and good cities that you did not build, and so he says, I read one verse too far there. But verse 9, you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and are your gates. This doesn't mean you have to have signs with scripture all over your house. I mean, that's a good thing. It's not a bad thing, but that's not what he's talking about. It means that it's always before them. And so when, when do we do this? All the time. You know, like he says, talks about here, it he says, uh, teach them diligently. Um, you should talk to them when you sit in your house. We sit in our houses today. Uh, when you walk by the way sometimes we go for walks when you lie down when you rise up sometimes you're in the car so we're all over the place right and it says keep this in front of them we teach it diligently teach them and so it's something to pass on so Moses he read the word of God to the people publicly he commanded it to be taught corporately and also in the home so go to uh, Deuteronomy 31 Thirty-one, verse six, and this is where he commands it to be t- uh, to be taught, to be read, uh, corporately or, or publicly. Um, Deuteronomy thirty-one, verse verse nine, it says that Moses wrote this law and gave it to the priests, the sons of Levi who carried the ark of the covenant in the Lord, and all the elders of Israel. And Moses commanded them at the end of every seven years, at the set time in the year of release at the feast of booths when all israel comes to appear before the lord your god at the place he will choose you shall read his read this law before all israel in hearing assemble the people men women and little ones that would bring them all together the sojourner within your towns that they may hear and learn to fear the lord your god and be careful to do all the words of this law and that their children who have not known it may hear and learn to fear the Lord your God as long as you live in the land that you are going to going over uh, the Jordan to possess so it says when they all come together at this once at least this feast of booths when they all come together it says read read the law publicly they may learn to fear the Lord and do what it says and so how do we know what what God's word says how do we know what he requires of us we have to read His word. And so we see that Moses commanded that. Uh, The second thing we see is that God's word is to be meditated on day and night. Go to Joshua chapter 1. Went too far there. Joshua chapter 1. So Moses has died. And Joshua was, he is coming to uh, take. Uh, Moses is placed as the leader in Israel. In Joshua chapter one, verse eight, God says this: "says The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. You shall meditate on it, uh, on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. it." Says meditate on it. We'll look at that. What that means here in just a second. Go to Psalm chapter one. So Joshua is commanded to meditate on the law of the Lord. Psalm chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. It says, Blessed is the man, it's verse 1, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, or sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. And there's many other verses throughout Scripture in the Psalms, a place like this, where it talks about meditating on the word of God. Meditation in Hebrew means basically to speak or to utter. So when this is done in the heart, it's called musing or, or meditation. So meditating on the word, a word of God day and night means to speak to yourself the word of God day and night. You speak to yourself about it. That we're constantly, you may say, well, I've read this before. Well, guess what? Read it again. Uh, there are some times when we need to preach to ourselves. Uh, from god's word not what we think what people are telling us but what from god's word says and so this idea of of putting it and filling our minds speaking the word of god to ourselves it involves deeply thinking about the word of god so not just reading it checking it off but that i'm actually spending some time thinking about it day and night so you read a passage and you think about it throughout the day and what does this mean what did god mean here what would how would i apply this in my life uh, what is what is god try, what is the message here who's he speaking to and, and, and asking the lord to give us understanding to give us help that we di- we think more deeply about it than just checking off something off a list now discipline sounds something that would be like checking off a list now is there some days where mentally you're kind of checked out yeah should we read anyways yeah so there's, there's days where mentally we're, just, we're not there. <laughs> we're checked out. But we can read anyways as we're developing this discipline in reading God's word. But Joshua was commanded to meditate on the law of God. Why? So that he would be careful to do all that is written in it. To think about it. What, is, what does God's word say? That, I, that we read it to the point where we know it. We know what it says. And even when we think we know it, we read it again. And again... And again, and so because, because we learn something new um, every time. we see we, we have this idea of God as that if we just know this, which, which we don't know it, <laughs> we don't know all of it, we don't understand all of it. Nobody has complete understanding of this. Uh, we have very little understanding. but God is not exhaustible. Like for all eternity, we're going to be learning more about Him for all eternity. That's how big God is. And so we're going to be learning more and more about him all throughout uh, eternity. And so there's always things we need to learn, always things that we can grow. And so Joshua was commanded so that he would be careful to do what was written in it. And memorizing scripture is one way we can meditate on God's word. One of the best ways you can do, me- meditate on God's word is to memorize it. Because it takes reading something over and over and over. And eventually... You remember it, right? And so thats uh, it's important for us uh, to do that. It's one of the best ways we can meditate on God's word. Uh, go to Psalm 119. Psalm 119. And what we see here is the longest psalm. Talking about the value of knowing God's word. So Psalm 119, go to verse 9. We'll read a couple different passages in here. It's really long, so we're not going to read very much of it at all. But Psalm 119, verse 9. <clears throat> it says, How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. So yeah, you don't see this very often where people say, I love the law of God. Well, the psalmist loves the law of God, loves the word of God. It says, how can a man keep his way pure? How can a man, how can a woman keep their way pure? It says, by guarding it according to your word. When we read God's word consistently, we are putting it in our heart and it becomes a guard for us. It guards us and it helps keep us pure. And then as we continue to read God's word, and it says with my, in verse 10, with my whole heart I seek you. As we begin to seek the Lord, we're going to grow. Verse 11, I've stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Why is it important to put God's word into our heart? That we might not sin against him. That is a guard for us, is that we put God's word into our heart that we might not sin against him. Verse 15, I will meditate on your precepts. We talked about what meditate means. I will meditate... On your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will think about your precepts. I will think about your law. Um, By the way, I love your laws, what the psalmist says, and I will think about it. I'll fix my eyes on your ways. Go to verse 89. Verse 89 forever O oh Lord your word is firmly fixed in the heavens your faithfulness endures to all generations you have established the earth and it stands fast talking about the importance of God's word it says forever your word is firmly fixed in, in heaven see it's an anchor for our soul God's word is an anchor it's not it is unchanging it will never change and so it is something that we can hold fast to knowing that it stood, it stands the test of time it will never change and it's always And it's always uh, going to be the same. It's firmly fixed forever. And then verse 105. Verse 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Does it say it's a halogen spotlight that can see a mile away? No. We can't see down the road. But what does a lamp do? You can see the next step says your word is that it's a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And so as we walk with the Lord, he he doesn't say this is what's going to happen 20 years from now or 30 years or tomorrow. But he says, just take one step at a time every day. Your lamp is a is a lamp. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. As we take a step, his word guides us um, in that. And so this psalm, it's, it's long, it's 176 verses, I believe. It's long. It's all about the value of knowing God's word. So I'd encourage you to go read it. Go read Psalm 119. It um, won't take you too long, But think and think about it. Meditate on it, what, what it means, and the value of God's word. The next thing we see is, is Paul urging Timothy to study God's word and handle it with care. Go to Second Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. And this is the, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, this is like the theme verse for, for Awana. But 2, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. says, Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. So he's talking to a young pastor, Timothy, and and he says, I want you to rightly handle the word of truth. To rightly handle means to cut straight, to cut it straight. uh, The approved worker handles the word of God with precision and care as a master craftsman uh, would his or her materials. And so it says this is how we are are to handle it with care. Uh, We need to be careful of saying this verse means this to me. We don't need to ask, what does this verse mean to me? What do we need to ask? What does this verse mean? What does this verse mean? And often we also have to look in context. So when you're reading God's word, we need to read a little before, a little after. Sometimes it's good to read a book in the Bible so that we have context. Context matters. So the question of what does this verse mean to me is a dangerous question to ask because that will lead us astray. We need to ask, what does this verse mean? or what does this passage mean? What was God's intention when he gave us this passage? And we, and they, we begin to think about that and meditate on that. That's, that's the difference uh, when we really are diving in is we say we wanna know, we wanna know God and we wanna know what he means. And so when he says, he's encouraging young Pastor Timothy here uh, to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed Rightly handling the word of truth, says you need to rightly handle it, and you need to as you preach. He's talking to Timothy. As you preach, you need to handle it and teach it correctly. Now, nobody has it has it has it perfect. None of us have it perfect. Uh, we don't have it all figured out. But we need to spend that time trying to understand what did God mean. Oftentimes, we need to think about who is the original audience. Who is this written to? Why was it written there? Uh, what's kind of the historical background of this and it helps us understand what the passage means and so that's an important thing is to, write, to that helps us uh, to study God's word and to handle it with care i go to 2 Timothy chapter 3 one page over or so and we see that all scripture comes from God and is profitable so sometimes it's like well what are we going to read next well it's all good and it's all profitable. It's all God's word, um, so you can pick anything. But Second Timothy chapter three verse fourteen it says, "But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through the faith in Christ, uh, through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching." For reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. See, what we see here, what Paul is telling Timothy again, is that the whole Bible is God's final authority for life in ministry. Do you see God's word as the ultimate authority? Do you govern your life by it? Because it is the ultimate authority. Uh because it 's because it's breathed out by god it 's authoritative without error and infallible, meaning that it always every it 's always true see it 's not enough to believe that the Bible is inspired word of God if it does not accomplish its purpose in transforming us. You see when we read this uh, verse sixteen tells us what 's it for It says for teaching for reproof you know, for correction we need to be reproved we need to be corrected sometimes uh, we just need to be taught. For training in righteousness, why? That the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. See, it has a purpose. And if we don't allow it to accomplish this in us because we're unwilling to listen, because we're unwilling to do what it says, uh, then it, it, it it's not doing what it was intended uh, to do. The impact of Scripture that it makes on people uh, makes people complete and equipped, meaning spiritually proficient. Uh, prepared productive and able to accomplish every good work that god desires god's word does that in us this is why it's important to be disciplined in reading god's word even on days where it's difficult and i'm as bad as i'm as bad as (laughs) this can be i i need to develop this discipline in my life um, as well and so it's hard to be disciplined it's not an easy thing but god's word accomplishes these things in us The next thing we see is that the word of God is living and active. Go to Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 12 and 13. Verse 12, for the word of God is living and active. Sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are, are naked and exposed in the eyes to him, in the eyes of him to whom we must give account. See, this is not just words on a page. It's not just a historical document. And Sometimes we read it as such. This is like a, just a historical document. The difference in the Bible and other works is that God's word is alive, and it's active, and the Holy Spirit works through it. When we study God's word, we must remember that it's alive and it's at work, and the inner life of a Christian is often a mixture of genuinely spiritual and completely human motivations, so that we have both. And sometimes we, we can't d- determine between the two. We have both, both spiritual and completely human um, motivations, And so only a supernatural discerning agent such as the word of God can sort out uh, what is flesh and what is of the spirit. Because it pierces to the core of who we are. It can reveal those things to us. It knows our thoughts. It knows our intentions. Oftentimes we have a hard time discerning what our own intentions are. Sometimes it's hard to know what are my true intentions. It says God's word points that out. God's word knows that. And so it exposes the deepest part of our hearts. And so we need to remember it's not just words on a page. It is is living and it's active and it pierces the soul. And so sometimes it's going to be painful. You're going to read it and it's going to be a reproof. There's going to be days where you need to be encouraged and it will encourage. But it's living and it's active and, and God speaks through it. Romans tells us that faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. And so God's word proclaimed, God's word read is how faith is birthed. That's how it's birthed in you at one point. And it's how it grows and how it's birthed in a, in a, as it grows us um, even now as we've been believers for a while. So we see that God's word is living and active. The last thing we'll look at here is that God's word is to indwell believers. Go to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3, verse 16. Colossians 3, verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And so we see here is that that Paul here, he's writing to the Colossian church And it says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Dwelling on truth of the gospel produces a overflowing heart of worship, which includes teaching and admonishing one another, singing singing psalms and hymns with spiritual songs, responding to the Lord with thanksgiving. This is all worship. And it proceeds from a heart in which God's word dwells. If we don't read God's word, we can't truly worship. We have to know it. And He's to dwell us because where does worship come from? A thankful heart to God, a grateful heart to God for who He is and for what He's done. And so we see is that when the dwelling on the truth, it produces this overflowing heart of worship. And it's interesting; it talks about uh, psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Spiritual songs comes from a Greek phrase meaning ode to a breath, whatever that means. But it's as an expression <laughs> that emanates spontaneously, um, spontaneously from one's spirit, so the spiritual saw—it's it's something that the Lord is as as we're as they're meeting together corporately—is that God's just speaking through through us. And we encourage each other. We speak God's word to each other. We uh, we encourage. We pray for each other. Uh, sometimes we need to reprove one another. But it's uh, it's this this. Um, this spontaneous, this uh, sing, the spiritual songs. I'm not talking. We're not talking about uh, tongues or any of those kind of things. We're not talking about that. We're talking about God's word is so full in us is that that's just what comes out. That's what he, that's that's the idea here is that we would that God's word would indwell us to the point to where that just comes out of us, and so we have to guard our hearts because what goes in our hearts what's in our hearts let me just say this is what's eventually going to come out it's going to come out in our words or our actions but eventually uh what's in our heart is going to come out and so if we fill it with the things of the world what's going to come out the world right things of the world and we were like well why do i keep doing this why do i keep stumbling in this area or that area well we keep filling up, filling our heart with the things of the world if we begin to fill our, and, and, and our hearts with God's word and it begins to indwell our hearts to where it starts bubbling up and that's what comes out of us, well, of course, God's word, if we're filling our hearts with that, that's what's going to come out. Because Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so the, what the words that we say and the things that we talk about reveal a great deal about what's in our heart. And so what we see here is that God's word is to indwell believers. So if it's to indwell, how do we get God's word to indwell our hearts is that we have to be disciplined to read it regularly. That's how we get God's word in our hearts. Spending time in God's word is an act of worship that overflows in every area of your life. Sometimes we I remember I met a guy in college and he's like, oh, I can't wait to go to church on Sunday and worship. It's like... You have no idea what you're talking about because worship is something we do every day. You don't, it's not something you just do on Sundays or Wednesdays. It's not just something that we, we do when we're together. It's something that you do every day of your life. That includes when we come together on Sundays and we come together on Wednesdays is that we're worshiping. But that's something that we're doing every day. And so spending time in God's word is an act of worship that overflows every area of our life. And so we saw a few passages here that we looked at, things where the scripture talks about the importance of putting God's Word into our, our life, why this discipline is important. And so I want to finish tonight and just talk about some practical ways, because that's what I want this to be uh, in the next couple of weeks that it's practical. What can we do to help develop, put this discipline into our life? And so Jesus said in John 15:5, says, I am the vine and you are the branches whoever abides in me and i in him uh, he it is that bears much fruit for apart from me you can do nothing and so what we see here is that reading the bible is the best way to stay connected to god if you want to know god the best way to know god is to read his word god's word tells us who he is it tells us why he it tells us uh, his intentions it tells us what our problem is which is sin, and it tells us what's going to be done about it in the end and everything in between. Reading the Bible is the best way to stay connected to God. Uh, The scripture, scripture reading is the lifeblood of the church. The Bible equips, trains, and empowers believers to fulfill God's calling. That is why we believe it's very important to read God's word, to not just get up and just start giving a speech about stuff and tell 18 million stories. And before you know it, it's like we didn't even open our Bible. That's why when you come here, the Bible will be opened. And we will talk about the Bible. We believe it's very important. And that scripture reading is, is a very important part of the church. And the Bible, Because the Bible equips, trains, empowers believers to fulfill God's calling. We come together to be equipped. We come together to be trained. To be empowered as, as we learn and as we grow. We serve together. We worship together. We do all these things together. It's important. And so that's another important part of this discipline is being disciplined to come together with God's people. A lot of people aren't real disciplined to do that. They see them once a month or twice a year at Christmas and Easter. Um, It's important that we are regularly coming together together as God's people, to be equipped, to be trained, to be empowered, to be encouraged because we live in a world, and the world hates God. The world hates the things of God. And the church is different because we come from all different backgrounds, all different walks of life here, but we love one another, we serve one one another, and that's weird. The world thinks that's strange because normally we, we gravitate toward people who are like us. We're all different. We may not have a whole lot in common, but what do we have in common is the bond of Jesus Christ. And that's a whole lot greater thing to have in common than anything else this world offers. And so we are, it's important that we come together and that we uh, discipline ourselves that even on days when we wake up and it's kind of cold, that we come anyways. Because we want to be with the people of God. it's an important thing that we do. Excuse me. A scripture reading and studying involves different activities and we'll look at these these three and then we'll we'll wrap it up but memorization reflection and transformative study and these are on your handout but memorization um like w- when a pilot faces a problem in the air and I'm very fascinated I love watching planes like take off and land and, you know when I'm in if I'm, I don't fly a whole lot but I like sitting by the window by the wing because I see what the wings do I'm weird like that I like to see that but uh my brother-in-law is a, a pilot for one of the major carriers. And whenever there's an accident that happens anywhere in the world, they all have to go to the simulator <laughs> to learn. So in case that happens to them, they know they're trained to properly handle whatever that is. So whenever anything happens, plane goes down somewhere, they, you know, the investigation, those things, and then they have to go. And they can do those simulators. They can put them in the exact same situation the simulator so they can learn um, and rely on this training that they have to avoid catastrophe um, that could follow if they didn't know. So when pilots face problems in the air, they rely on their previous training to find a way <clears throat> to, avoid cata- to avoid catastrophe. See, I'm, I'm just kind of weird. I'm, I'm kind of weird. I like there's, there's a guy on Facebook I watch sometimes, and he talks about plane crashes. And I usually watch a lot of those before I fly somewhere. I don't know why. But he, he's he they, they go. It's like they're like twenty minutes long, and he goes and he talks about when it was, what happened, what were the conditions, and the investigation. I don't know. I I don't know why I'm drawn to that stuff, but it's interesting. <clears throat> but anyways, these pilots they face problems in the air. They need to be able to rely on their training to find a way to avoid a, a catastrophe. And when we face persecution, temptation, doubt, or sudden grief. Our training kicks in, and this where Bible memorization is important. You know, there's there's two different words in, in in the Bible for the Word of God. It's Logos, which is all this, and then there's rhema, which is specific verses. It's like the short, it's like a short sword, and so it's specific has a spit specific purposes uh, in, in certain circumstances. It's a it's a verse that that applies to that circumstance. In your life, and we can use it uh, in those moments. <clears throat> and so, all the words, uh, all these words, uh, these verses that we memorized in those moments, they come back, and God will speak to us through them in unexpected ways. That maybe a situation or circumstance arises in life, and a verse that you learned when you were a kid comes back, and you remember that. See, it was something that you committed to memory. And God will bring those things back to you in the moment that you need them. This is why this is one way we can develop this discipline is memorization. They come back to us. There are many ways to memorize Scripture. Uh, maybe for you it would help to find somebody who would do, do it with you. That would help you and challenge you, and, and you would work together um, in doing this. Maybe. You memorize best by writing something down. See, it tends to help me if I actually write something down. And so maybe you write them on an index card, and you can have a catalog of index cards, and you just flip through those and you can read them as you have, as you have time. Just read these, these verses. But eventually, if you do that regularly, they start sinking in, and you start memorizing them. Memorization is an important part of this discipline of reading God's Word second thing uh, when it comes to scripture reading and studying is uh, reflection. It's often called meditation. We already kind of talked about what that means. But it's, it allows uh, God's word to settle in our hearts and in our minds. We can do this by thinking about it all day long, wondering what a passage means. Again, not what does this verse or passage mean to me, but what does it mean? And that's the question we need to make sure we're asking correctly is what does this verse mean? What does this passage mean? But as we reflect on it, and how, how, and we could pray and ask God to help us know how this would apply in my life. How would this apply in, the, to the, in this situation? I know, I, I know what your word means. Now, how would I apply that in my life? Pray and ask God to lead. God direct you, to give you understanding of his word. And we reflect on this. We reflect on it. So we don't just read it and never think about it again. This whole idea of, of reflection is that we spend some time and we think about it. We think through, what does this mean? What would God have me do? Reflection also involves listening for the voice of God. How do we hear the voice of God? Through reading his word. God speaks to us through his word. And so reflection involves reading and listening in silence. We don't like silence, do we? But silence is one of the spiritual disciplines. We're not going to talk about that one. That people have practiced for centuries is solitude and silence. Periods of that as they they listen for the voice of God. Reflection involves listening for the voice of God in His Word. So we have memorization, reflection, and then transformative study. Studying the Bible does not mean that a person becomes an expert in one passage or book. Studying the Bible means that we dig deeply so that we can be deeply transformed. The deeper that you dig, the more you will learn. The deeper that you dig, the more you will be transformed, the more you will be changed. So if you truly are hunger and desire to know God more, he's promised in his word. He says it in his word that if you seek me, you will find me. But it requires us to seek him, to have this desire to seek him. And so the deeper we dig, the more deeply we can be transformed because the more we spend time in his word and the more we search seek him the more we're going to learn the more we're going to find him the more we know about god the more we can love him we can't love god if we don't know really who he is well the bible tells us who god is god gave the bible uh, to the church reading and studying the bible in community is a profitable thing that's why like i said earlier it's important that we come together that we worship together and we open God's word. Yeah, I don't know if you realize, but when we open God's word, that's just as much worship as when we sing songs. A lot of people just attach worship to singing, but singing songs, that's worshiping the Lord. We do it together. When we open his word, that's worship. And so we come together to worship God. It's very important. It's very profitable. It helps us to learn God's word and learn who God is. So, just some practical things in this study. Excuse me. Pick a time that works best for you. Um, I'm not going to be a morning. You know, I don't do mornings. So, if you're not a morning person like me, don't say I'm going to do mornings because it won't last very long. Probably, I won't even make it to the first day. So, there's some guys. I know there's some guys in the church, and they meet, you know, super early for Bible study. And some of those guys, I said, I hope you all have fun. I will never be there. I just, I'm, not a, I'm not a morning person. I don't like having to be out of bed early. And so that is, uh, but that time doesn't work. But maybe noon works. Maybe the middle of the afternoon works. Maybe you're somebody who stays up till 4 a.m. You're, you're a night owl. You work best, and you're more, most alert at night. Maybe that's you. And so you do it at night. But for you, kind of, you know yourself, Pick a time that works best for you, and then make it a priority to spend time reading God's word. So whether it be morning, whether that's, you're one of those evil morning people, noon, night, doesn't matter. Whatever, wherever you find yourself, whatever, you're, <laughs> whatever works best, make a priority to spend time reading God's word. So pick that time and try to be consistent doing that, and I'm going to try to do that with you as well. So I, it just won't be in the morning. I'll just tell you that up front. And there are also other resources to help us hide God's Word in our hearts. Um, things like the audio Bible. If you're, in, you know, I'm not real big on that. But some people are. The, but you're in your car. It's a, it's, maybe you're going on a trip. It's a good time to listen to it. Um, there's internet resources. We just have to practice discernment. You need to be careful. There's lots of um, things that are not not theologically sound. Uh, we have to have uh, practice discernment, but there's a lot of internet resources, uh, audio Bible. you have Bibles on our phones. We have pretty much access to whatever we want. So if you want to, if you want to spend time reading God's Word and knowing Him, it's not from a lack of having the means. It's just a lack of us making, being disciplined to make that time and make it happen. And so that is the that is the challenge: is that you would pick a time morning, noon, night, 1 a.m., 1 p.m., it doesn't matter, uh, just whatever it is, but that you pick a time and try to be consistent uh, reading God's Word. So that, that is the spiritual discipline this week, is reading, uh, Bible reading, and study. So we saw a lot of verses. We read through a lot of verses uh, where we see the importance of it and why it's important that we have this discipline. And so I'd encourage you to continue to develop uh, the, God's, these, these uh, disciplines in your life Uh, this year so let's pray Father we thank you so much for uh, who you are we thank you for this uh, time we have together and we thank you for your word and Lord I help you help us to see it as as valuable that we see it for what it is that we see it not just as words on a page or just as a history document or um, maybe just good morals or whatever but God help us to remember that it's alive it's active it's your very word to us so help us to learn to uh, consistently discipline ourselves to spend time reading your word to meditate on it to think about it that you would uh, challenge us that you would grow us that you would help us to learn more about who you are that we would grow to love you more we'd love to grow to serve you more God I ask that you would just do a work in our hearts Lord we need not just uh, to conform but rather, Lord, we need to be transformed. So I pray that you continue to transform us and make us more like you. And we know that that is your that is your will, that is your desire for us is that we would be conformed to the image of your Son. So God, would you transform us and make us more like you? And so, Lord, I ask that you would help us in this that that we would think through this and that we would uh, each of us in here would would pick a time that works well and to develop this discipline in our lives. And uh, God, that you'd help us to. To develop that discipline and and be able to do that with some consistency and Lord that we would see the growth that you provide um, in us and the uh, Lord will thank you for it in Jesus name amen